Hey everyone, this is Socratic Hobbits, a podcast where Kyle Morse and me, Daniel Hayward, try to ask big questions and then answer them. Sometimes we stay on topic. Thanks for listening. What are you going to do? Technology, man. Yeah, I, uh, we are using at work this, um, I don't know if it's a particularly large company, um, for estimating like the software, but the UI is from the early two thousands. It's better than the nineties. It is better than the nineties. Um, they, it glitches often enough that we just have to close out and reopen i probably do that at least once every single day and when i was building a tool um it it was i probably did it every hour because i was asking either asking too much of it or is it like a visual basic thing no no i wasn't i wasn't coding no i mean is it written in visual basic i have no idea like does it look like the you know how in excel you've got like your forms and stuff that you can fill out mm-hmm. does it look like oh yeah those it forms? does it does look like that yep there you go we found the issue i just gotta let them know and say hey coding something from this decade oh hey yeah how you doing what's uh you know what's new it's been while well, it's been a month since we talked yeah i'm doing fantastic i'm looking forward to getting to hang out in person next week next yeah. weekend that'll be great yeah all right and uh, yeah. number one fan and number two fan are getting married i don't pre- know I that don't. our number two fan is marrying our number one fan i'm just, I'm just maybe suggesting. she she will become our number two fan yeah. <laughs> is that what you're suggesting yeah, well i just assumed that that was what they connected over was over listening to our podcast they met each other through listening to this podcast on our forum that's that's right. Uh, people should get on that forum if they're <laughs> looking for love. Uh. <laughs> uh, someone emailed me. So uh, I was using some stuff from the Tiny Habits book on our website. And then mm-hmm. I emailed them and they were like, hey, uh, we want to take a look at your, your, you know, we want to make sure that you're you're not infringing on any of our intellectual property and i was like oh that's seems really reasonable i didn't know how to give them access to just one and so i just we weren't getting very much traffic on our blog at all yeah and so i just password protected all of it (laughs) because i couldn't do just one and then when i was in setting up today's podcast i got in there and somebody emailed me and was like i want to read your blog what's the password (laughs) from three weeks ago i was like oh oops wait what on earth would someone think that a podcast was infringing? Yeah, apparently you haven't looked at our blog, Kyle. I used a tool like so there's from Tiny Habits, there's a tool. Um specifically it's like behavior design. Okay. Like how do you go through and it's a an ex- essentially a Google Sheet or Excel sheet that walks you through behavior design. So um to give you the broadest strokes. And this is taken whole cloth, essentially, from Tiny Habits. This is taken whole cloth from Tiny Habits. 
you uh, list out, you know, 20 behaviors, basically. They're to between 10 and 20 behaviors. And then on the next sheet, you rank those, or not rank, but say like out of 10, how effective do you think that they'll be? And then on the next sheet, it essentially like it pulls from that first sheet, both the second and the third sheet. Mm -hmm. And then you say, how easy will it be for me to get myself to do these things? Okay. And then on the third sheet, it adds those two together and sorts them. And so you see, all right, here's where I'm probably, here's the easiest and the, the most, I'm going to, the easiest and the most effective are at the top. Got it. And that's basically what it does. So there's like a copyright thing. That's just a, that tool is exactly from tiny habits. Uh huh. And so, so I just, e- I just emailed him and because of something I said, that was, you know, my conversation with BJ Fogg, he was like, just let me take a look he, within two hours. He was like, you're not stealing anything from me. So, oh, okay. Oh, so this was actually with him or with someone who represented him. It was with BJ Fogg. Cool. Yeah. I told you I talked with him. Yeah. I didn't realize it was about intellectual property. It was that and a couple other things. So yeah. the way you get a get an author's attention is like pre- come close to plagiarizing and then they they go, hey, I want to check out what you're doing. Yeah, that's it. You've got it. Better they send their lawyer and they send a <laughs> cease and desist letter. letter. Uh, no. Uh, you know, he was really nice. He was one of the yeah, very, very pleasant person to talk with. Um, so anyway, so I had, you know, basically because I, I didn't, I don't know, want to be infringing on anything. I, um, I just password protected it and sent him the password. It was something silly like Socratic, um, mm-hmm. or password one, two, three, one of those ones. Nice. Um, and, and then he, yeah, after about an hour and then I just apparently didn't unlock it. So I apologize to any of you listeners who wanted to come check out our blog and uh, it said access denied. Well, apparently I wouldn't have even been able to look at our blog if I, if I had had the time while I was off hiking mountains and jet skiing this last week down in Bend. But well, you could have logged in through our, I also didn't have very good access to the internet. Well, got a lot of excuses, Kyle. You were jet skiing on mountains. Sorry. Yep, jet skiing across mountains. It's there you a lot go. of fun. Which uh, which mountains were you at? Uh we we summited the South Sister Charity. It's actually kind of cool. So the the three sisters next to Mount Bachelor in mm-hmm. Central Oregon are were originally called by the first European settlers there uh, Faith, Hope and Charity. The greatest of these being Charity. So so Charity's the tallest one. Um we were kind of laughing because Faith is the most technical and hope is just kind of there. <laughs> what do you mean? Is it like, it's a little it, peak. It's, it's, it's not as tall as, as either of the other ones. And it's not as technical as either of the other ones. So I don't <laughs> know. It was kind of funny. Yeah. But, um, so you and your wife and your kids summited. No, just, just me. Um, it, it was, it's a six mile hike up and I actually don't remember what elevation you start at, but you end over 10,000 feet. Um, so it's similar, similar to going up to like paradise at, a uh, Mount Rainier, mm-hmm. except the top is at least at this time of year, be, 
because there's no snow, the the top is super. The footing's pretty treacherous once you get up there because it's all uh, kind of ashy sand and little volcanic rocks. Well, especially this year, I don't think it's always like that in the very beginning of July. Yeah, well, I mean, there was snow; it just wasn't all covering everything so you could do a little bit of glissading in a few spots mm. yeah would you where were you on monday on monday what was i doing monday was the hottest day it's ever been in vancouver so we were still we were still at home on monday oh, okay we headed out tuesday night um but so yeah did you vacation my, uh, with your family at all or did you just like go hike and do other things that is vacationing well, but with your family no, that what? was like with like it was with my brothers and sisters in law that I summited. Oh, I see. Okay, and then and then you came back to a house or something. You guys were all staying. At? Yeah, it it's it's yeah, it's actually my sister in law's husband's family's house that we stayed at. So that worked out pretty well. Cool. And um, I had a also as telling my wife. The, she asked me what my favorite parts from the vacation were. And I said, well, one was jet skiing with you. And then the other one was um, I had a fun conversation with my father-in-law where I was asking him what, what he's the elder in the church we, we were at when we were in Portland. I, I just asked him, so what would you say your principles for a church body would be? And he, he, he quipped, well, this isn't original to me, but at one point I, I read along the way, someone said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. <laughs> and, and then, I mean, and then he, he kind of delved into that a little bit more and said, it's, it's, I mean, at the surface, it's sort of like, well, how is that applicable? Like, that sounds like sort of a throwaway answer. But if you start to meditate on what it means, what it meant for Jesus to deny himself, what it meant for him to take up his cross, what, what the cross actually is, um, what it means to follow him. It, it rapidly starts to bring to mind, um, ways in which we can have really concrete steps that come out of those three commands from, from Jesus. And so, um, this morning actually for my, uh, my 10. So, so we had talked last time about, about doing 10 ideas, every 10 day. ideas every day. And I, I took a break from that on vacation, but this morning I, I got back into it with 10 ways I can deny myself. So that mm. was uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a couple of uncomfortable, I called them tens. Mm-hmm. Um, some that were fun, some that were easy, and then some that were, uh, yeah, uncomfortable. So, uh, what, I don't know, was there any, like, as far as a church body, what, uh, like, what was something practical or something that, that kind of came out of that conversation with you two? Or, uh, like, as far as related to those three commands? I think it was really more, uh, I was thinking it more as being applicable to me um as a member of a church as opposed to we should try and get everyone in a church to do x y or z it's 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 more 
there's there's value in in meditating on the words of Christ as a body um individually because that's where you're going to if I tell you 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 should be doing this Daniel um you're far less as we've talked about before if if if, if someone external tells us to do something it's far less likely to gain traction in our lives than if we internally develop the the reason and, and the motivation for going out and doing something. Mm-hmm. So, um, the the practice of 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 meditating on scripture. I, I guess I guess one thing that came out not only that conversation but another conversation um, is along the lines of denying ourselves is is the practice of fasting and um, being ready, willing, and able to give up the the comforts and freedoms that we have become so accustomed to as, um, Christians living in this period in American history where the church ha- has had a lot of influence on politics and just kind of the social fabric of the country. Hmm. And one of the things he brought up talking to the Chinese missionaries is just how the the smartphones used by the state there to just keep tabs on what everyone's up to and mm-hmm. inform the social credit score of everyone. So that's something there. that they're, they've moved forward with social yeah. credit score. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so like if they start noticing that, Oh, so-and-so is, looking at the Bible on their phone and so-and-so is at this specific location every Sunday. It's, it's pretty easy to keep tabs on that person and make it really hard for them to be in community and make it really hard on everyone who they're connected with. Yeah. What if like, could they leave their phone home or no? Yes. Oh, totally. Yes. And they probably, there's probably lots of people who do, but, but his point was that in America, how, how many, how many American Christians leave their phone at home during Sunday? Can 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 take a break from their phone long enough to go to church? <laughs> well, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, people don't have a reason to take breaks from their phones. Not mm-hmm. not if they at least not um, not externally. Not like the uh, Chinese people, Chinese Christians specifically, because there's no. I guess there's no extra persecution for going to church specifically. There is, if you're more open about it in certain situations, then then there's maybe some, I, I wouldn't even, persecution is probably the wrong word because there's real persecution going on in the world. Yeah, I like the idea of having a different word for being made to feel on the uncomfortable. Outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, yeah being fearful for your life. livelihood and life. Like, yep. I know we were, well, there's, I think there are some people who, who do fear for their livelihood related to being, I don't even know that it's being Christian though. It's being, it's, I guess it's just not, it's not just being Christian that would. Well, cause yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't remember if I've shared this on this, this podcast, but I, a good friend of mine. Do you have recently, another podcast, Kyle? No, I just mean I don't know that I've shared that this here, but I've a good friend of mine actually lost his job at a at a tech company 
for recently for hmm. not being willing to use a random pronoun for for one of his coworkers. Yeah. Yeah, I uh I don't know. I yeah, I have you told me about that a little bit a little bit back and I'm not I don't know. I'm just rethinking how I I'm probably going to have some kind of situation like that not at the company I'm at, but at some point in the future, maybe somebody I'm interacting with on the owner side or or mm-hmm. in very, you know, like I could have a situation where it's like it would be helpful to have thought about how exactly I'm going to respond to this. Right. And maybe the answer is exactly the same as your um one of your friend that your friend, but maybe it's not and I just need to I don't know. That's just something I need to need to think about, I guess. Yeah, and and that's something in our current cultural context as as the as the US moves from exporting Christian values to exporting transgender science. It's it's something that's going to be more and more important for us to be ready to give an answer to. I, I mean, on one level, I agree. We did used to transport Christian values, kind of. Like they were patently Christian or signaling Christ- Christianity, but there was also a lot of negatives that went along with that. A lot of prejudice, a lot of, um, yeah, just assumptions that I think were incorrect specifically like, and maybe, I I don't know, I'd be interested to hear your uh, idea of this, but the idea that there's a neutral, um, my wife and I were talking about, is there a neutral viewpoint on certain things? Is there a, you know, in America, basically that meant a perspective from like Western Europe was the neutral perspective on things. And the way that we view the assumptions that we have that we bring to the table. Why are you laughing, Kyle? Oh, because because we started to talk about this a while back, um, and and I, I think I think the if you want to call something a neutral viewpoint, the one touchstone for neutrality, if you want to call it that, is the Noahic covenant. And go on, Noahic covenant. So the covenant God made with Noah after the flood, where he promised not to destroy the world, but to preserve it from any flood in the future. And then he, he gives three commands um, as, as, as part of this covenant with Noah, three commands to Noah and those who follow him to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it to that. If any, that all the animals are, are, are given to him for food that, um, if any, if anyone sheds the blood of man by man shall his, his blood be shed. Um, so you have the, the underpin under underpinnings for, um, family and, and commerce and also for justice that aren't tied in any way to, aren't tied in any direct way to really I'll just say aren't, aren't tied in any way to a salvific uh, covenant, the, the covenant of grace, but rather are a common covenant that is applicable to um, all people, whether they're um, Christians in the covenant of grace or non-Christians outside of the covenant of grace. It's, it's mm. true for all humanity. Um, 
based off of uh, the, the, the sense in which we still bear the image of God even after the fall. Yeah. Well, hmm. That's a, an, an, yeah, I'd have to look at the text, but that's a, an interesting point for neutrality. It does go pretty far back and it is pretty basic. Right, right. But uh, it's fairly limited. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's, it it's two be. things. It's 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 limited in its in its scope, and it's also limited in its time because it's, it's it's limited to this earth. Oh sure, okay. Um, but as far as neutrality and where I had kind of been going with that was that you know as far as exporting values, I don't know that. Like I I don't know. I get this impression from people who are conservative that they view people who are liberal as like a monolith, right? They and all vice agree. versa. And yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's really easy to say this other group of people is, um, you know, they all think the same and that's just like related to transgender stuff. That is not a decided topic in my opinion. I see things from different people, especially female athletes. Um, Especially related to, uh, like, just bathrooms in particular. Um, I do, I just don't think it's a decided topic as far as what what is good, and you know, I my hope is that we can figure out a way to, you know, love love people well and not have, um, yeah, not have uh, a yeah basically be this um this us versus us versus them kind of no matter who it is that's i, I mean, mean well, yeah sorry go on i was just going to ask was was your discussion with your wife around whether there can be a non-christian solution to the questions that are being asked right now about um transgenderism no we weren't talking specifically about transgenderism um, and we weren't talking about whether there would be a non-Christian solution, but a lot of our discussions are specifically like, how do we as Christians love people who are very different from us? Mm-hmm. And how does that affect our politics and how we think about who we want to vote for or not vote for? Mm-hmm. And what does what does equality mean? And those are those are thorny, difficult problems to deal with. I well, actually, the the sermon we heard at the the Bend OPC um, yesterday morning, I think, had had a lot to say about because it, it was it was a unique sermon in that he he was preaching out of John, and he recognized it, it was the section where the 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 Pharisees come up i believe it was the section where the pharisees come up to jesus and go and and jesus is going back and forth with them on on whether or not they're actually free um and so he was pointing out to us as americans that we've had this um this wasn't the main point but but he was pointing out to us that we've enjoyed these freedoms um as americans we've allowed these freedoms to become an idol. And, and we think that we're free because we're Americans rather than realizing that any freedom we, any real freedom only comes 
through God's grace, through the gift of Christ. Hmm. And I guess I see um, some of the answers to 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 those questions that that you're asking about, and it's not. I, I'm not saying that it's not. <laughs> it's not. It is necessary to wrestle through these questions on a very uh, gritty, practical level. But I think, to a certain degree, if we take a step back, a lot of the answers fall out a little bit more simply than maybe they would if we if we, or at least if if I like am really in the middle of everything. It can be really hard for me to see the forest for the trees. But if I take a step back, I can look at okay, who do I vote for politically? And recognize that who I vote for is not going to save me. It's not mm. going to save America. Who I vote for is not a vote of identity. It is a and so so that that takes out a lot of the burden, I think, of of a vote. And then when it comes to equality, recognizing that that whole concept of equality makes no sense outside of a Christian worldview. I mean, if you look at we look at look historically at like what cultures were like before Christ. The that was no one. I, no I one don't think that. anyone thought about that. It was, it was just sort of who, whoever's stronger takes what he wants, and the weaker get used up. Mm-hmm. And and then Christ comes along and says, "He who would be the the leader." should be servant of all. What do you think about I just think I was thinking about Roman society which predates mm-hmm. Christ. Right. And the emperor was the first among equals. That was a that was a, a strong idea, but maybe that was just for when, the When did that idea the very beginning? It was the it was part of the Roman Republic and when it changed during the Roman Empire which started around 20 27 BC, 47 BC, something like that. Oh, how? Because because he couldn't say that because it was a republic, mm-hmm. which is interesting thinking about how the people, the, the, the senators, I don't yeah, think the senatorial thought, class thought of themselves as equal with the plebeians. Uh, yeah. So, there, I mean, there was the plebeians and then the non-citizens. Yeah. Um, so it could have been that they were equal. Among you know the senatorial class was all yeah, equal. He was he was he was he was trying to make the case that he wasn't setting himself up as king because that was a big. Are you talking about Julius Caesar? Yeah. Okay. Because I was just talking about or Augustus emperors in general. Right, but but there's a reason that that statement would have been made at that time because it was a big shift, obviously, to go from a republic to an empire. Mm-hmm. And and for one person in 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 the Senate to stand up and say, I I am my my rules carry more weight than yours, my ideas carry more weight than yours do is a good way to get stabbed on the Senate floor. Yeah, but the Roman Republic had it wasn't led by the Senate only. There was also a what was it called? Was it an the emperor? consuls? They yeah, had consuls. No, 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 no. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. I think I think you might be right, actually. And the consuls had sh- fairly short, right, 
they were stints. chosen out of the body of the Senate mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. To, right. to, to lead. And generally there were two of them to, to mm-hmm. try and balance things out. Well, and they would, yeah. And there was usually a senior and a junior consul and they could only serve one or two times in a row. I don't recall. Right. It was very meant to avoid a consolidation of power. Yeah. Which was terrible for running of the empire when it got to be a certain size. And so there became a certain point. This is kind of a tangent and then we'll, we'll stop or at least I'll stop. Um, is that the, the eunuchs would stay in the same positions while the consoles would change. And that way, when the consoles, like when power would shift, there wasn't this big, like everybody has to learn how to do everything again. And Mm -hmm. it's been, I think they would switch every two years or four years. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but I just think that's interesting. That was like, you know, the console would essentially have to ask like, Oh, I don't know how to do this thing. How do we, how do we do this? And then the units who are nominally not in any power at all are like, okay, boss, let me walk you through. I know sometimes that was how it felt at one job that I was at where it was like, we had a new boss and she didn't know, um, she was new to the company. And so she just kind of had to trust that the basically everybody who worked for her knew what they were doing because she couldn't, couldn't really correct. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was a big enough company that there was lots of standard operating procedures and it, it worked out fine. But it was just like, a okay, you want me to do this thing, but that doesn't work because of X, Y, and Z. And it was, she was just like, oh, okay. I trust you and... I trust how, you. How and does I, this work? <laughs> how does this work? Exactly. Exactly. It was, it was a couple months before it was like, she had to learn a lot very quickly, I think. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, we were, I think that was like, I think we jumped from one tangent to another. Tangent. Well, we were talking about equality and, mm. and I guess, so, so a question I would have is, is, is because it almost seems to me like there's a difference between the equality that, the Caesars were espousing between themselves and the Senate as um, an equality of the right to rule, basically, mm. and equality as in America it gets discussed here in America. Now, it does. I think it does have an important. Um, there, there's an important parallel there, and that both are talking about power, especially. Um, some of the discussions about equality now are very much about who has the right to speak to power, who has not had power. So they should be given power now. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were talking about, you know, formerly having Christian values and, you know, uh, we've talked about the innocence project. And one of Mm -hmm. the things is like, there are, you know, our prison population is enormous. Like, and it's not representative of the whole population. There's a lot more, there's a lot more people of color inside the prisons than in our, you know, than is represented in our population. And even right now, like the, uh, so the, there's Tokyo Olympics happening fairly soon. Yeah. Happening like a month or something. I don't know. Right. And there are, they have thrown out 
a few competitors because of various things. Like they're like, they find a way that they're breaking a rule and, and they're saying, Hey, you can't compete. One of the most ridiculous ones, there's a, that they're all kind of ridiculous that my wife was sharing with me. But one was if you're swimming, you cannot wear a swim cap that can fit essentially an Afro in it. Like that is a rule. Figure it out. So either cut your dreads off or whatever. I don't know. You just can't have, you can have only a normal sized. That doesn't seem like it It would help you to have a big bulbous swimming cap. Uh, there's one, one particular competitor who she has a, I think she has dreads. And no, probably it is not helping her, but she is still able to, like she was still able to swim a competitive time swim a competitive time. So anyway, there's a few, but they're, they've, they've specifically like, it's only affected black competitors. Like that's who they have said. Not, not Is this the, a U.S. rule or a, it's an Olympics. It's, I mean like the Olympics organization. Okay. And this is, you know what I like, I won't say any more because I haven't looked into it myself. I haven't looked at verified exactly. that there is a rule. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's my wife, so I trust her, but I don't want to, you know, she, she read it and then now I'm saying it and it's easy. I mean, if you've ever played the game telephone, right. you know, that things can change a little bit every time you say them. So I'll see if I can find something. And if I can't, I'll probably just cut this. <laughs> that actually brings up an interesting question to, to me anyway. And, and I guess like it is, it's definitely wrong to exclude people based off of things that are more applicable to particular groups of people and not as applicable to other groups of people. And that's, that is racism. But I was just thinking it, on, on the other hand, there are so like on, on the scale of innocence project to swim caps, uh-huh. the innocence project seems like a much bigger deal. And yet, it seems like on on social media, the swim caps get elevated above the Innocence Project. <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, maybe. It's uh, like, hmm, hmm. Part of it is uh, representation, I think. Okay. Where if as a, you know, you and I are white males, we see ourselves represented in media and in competitions like the Olympics. Plenty of white guys. Part of that is because... Especially in the 100 meter dash. Well... (laughs) No, no. Why don't they maintain equality there, Daniel? Oh my God. (laughs) You're the worst. Uh, This is why I'm on a podcast with you. So that people can know you're deep, bad... I don't know. Uh, Gosh, you just derailed me, man. Uh, Sorry. No, it's okay. But, you know... You do like there. Okay, in all honesty, uh huh. Like, there are certain things that you want to see your someone like you represented in. Whether that's, you know, if we're gonna say a movie that's not the Olympics, right? Mm-hmm. If you never ever had seen somebody who looked like you in as like a good guy in a movie, mm-hmm. or you right. always saw someone who looked like you as a sidekick or the bad guy or the like, whatever Mm -hmm. 
I don't think that's good. Like, because the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories that our society tells us about us really affect how we how we think and then the choices that we make. If, you know, and my wife and I were talking about police officers and one of the things that's drilled into them constantly throughout all of their training is everyone that you talk with could have a gun and will and could pull it on you Mm -hmm. all the time Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen all the time maybe it's something that they should be prepared for but don't you think having that constantly drilled into your mind that everyone you talk with may have a gun will negatively impact your conversations with a society that is not 100% armed and the people who are i would say that i would say the majority of people who are armed at least in i don't know are have them legally i mean i have no idea i like that's just that's oh, for the, sure that's the thought i have i don't know if that's true or not but like that story probably has something to do with the problem that we have with policing right now that we've had for a long time. And it is a, I mean, it's a, it's a thorny issue because it's a question of how, how many police officers are we willing to sacrifice to make it so that they have a more, more gentle approach to, to their interactions with, with people how many citizens are we willing to sacrifice to make sure that for sure <laughs> i mean it's half? a two way street <laughs> yeah like like should we try to get it more in the middle I, the thing is is that if you know that you're not going to be as safe as a police officer you're a lot less likely to do that job mhm you know see and, portland <laughs> yeah sure and and i mean do you know what happened with new york recently no they hire like so Andrew Kumo mm-hmm. got he's no longer the mayor. Right. They hire like they voted for somebody who basically is like, we're gonna get more money to the police, we're gonna do retraining, um, but mm-hmm. it, but we're gonna be hard on crime. That's mm-hmm. basically, you know, yeah. one of his his big things. Okay, yeah. Because crime there is insane. Mm-hmm. And Nobody wants to live in a place where there are well, very few people. Criminals want to live in. <laughs> I don't maybe not even think, criminals. Maybe not even criminals because you don't <laughs> want everybody doing that. Yeah. Like you want to be able to, you know, I mean, it just becomes a wild west, right? Yeah. It's a, probably a poor analogy, but, you know, it just becomes a, the laws are. Might is right. The laws are if you, if you murder somebody. Then you'll pay with your own blood if you, you know, be fruitful and multiply the most as the, <laughs> you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's those, those three, right? Rules that apply to everybody mm-hmm. from the Noahic covenant in, in a, in a society with no, other, like those are the base rules. Right. Um, those are the base rules that people can flourish under, can, can move forward under. I don't think that you can live in a group of people where those rules do not make themselves evident over time. Right. You can't move forward if you don't have those rules. No, I mean, I don't think that you can live. I don't think it's possible to live in a group where 
What are the th- what, are, what are the three parts of the Noahic covenant again? Be fruitful and multiply. You can eat animals, and oh, if, well, if, if a man sheds another man's blood, he'll pay with his. He'll pay with his. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least okay. So those first two, I, I guess I don't you know know one hundred percent about. Uh, although, I think those are the three. There may have been a different one too. Yeah. I will. I just like in no matter. In essence, think family, commerce, justice. But as far as like, I think that as far as a base for justice, mm-hmm. like with people, whether there are written out laws or not, if you kill somebody, you're going to pay with your blood. Like that's a. If it can be proved. Yeah, sure. That's in a more um, litigious society. Right. But in a, in a society with no laws. You don't have to prove it. Mm-hmm. Not really. And that's how you get like blood feuds and different things, problems. Anyway. What was your point about New York? Oh, just that. In relation you know, to Portland. Ne- what's that? In relation to Portland. Just that you have, uh, you know, I you, you might expect New York to be a place where they would want to abolish the police based on its you know, political leanings and, uh, they did not, they wanted to, they, you know, they voted for the person that basically ran on the platform of, we're going to reform the police in a really positive way. Right. I think that if, you know, if Portland or Seattle or some of the places in the, in California decided to abolish police, it would last as long as, or less long (laughs) or less than the, um, like chop did. Yeah. I mean, we're already starting to see a, a reversal in Portland on the the rampant homelessness. Um, oh, and, really? And how they're handling that. It was it was actually kind of interesting because I guess the the Portland Rescue Mission came to to the church we we used to attend, and because there there's a homeless camp right right next to the church. And they they went over some of their tools that they use to kind of um, interact with interact with people who are experiencing homelessness, mm-hmm. and then um, asked the church how how they could help. And, and and people said, "Well, we are not sure how to interact with this people in this is in this camp." And and so so the Portland Rescue Mission has people who are trained to go talk to people. And try and understand where they're at, get them resources, um, and help help move them forward. Yeah. And the long and short of it was those those people from the Portland Rescue Mission went back to that camp and just went up and down the whole camp, talking to every individual in it. And they told the the people at the church the best thing you can do for the for the people here is report this camp to this number in Portland that's responsible for cleaning up camps because the people in this camp are not interested in getting help and they're in a very dangerous situation for both themselves and everyone in the surrounding neighborhood and so it'd be better if they were moved to a safer if the camp was moved to a safer location and there were basically it'd be better if the camp was moved to a different location. Yeah. I wonder where that location might be just because 
you know, when I worked downtown, mm-hmm. the that it was so bad in that area. It was like we would call or somebody would call right. and they would come through with a dumpster and just throw stuff in it. And then like homeless people would set up where they had just cleaned. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, not quite. I mean, it was like the next day or, you know, the next couple days. Hmm. And these were under bridges. And so they were particularly attractive to homeless people because they weren't being rained on. I know in some some places they started putting like kind of boulder scapes underneath the bridges. Yeah. Yeah. To make those areas less attractive for them. Well, yeah. And there was an abandoned lot near, which I noticed in the last six months, they've put about 50 tiny homes in Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. homeless people. And now it's just like the places with basic sanitation. Yeah. It would work okay if there were not, uh, you know, they've put 50 there and now there's 150 or 200 people who live there in that abandoned lot. And, you know, yeah, not, not very sanitary because it's not meant for that many people. Right. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And, you know, saying, I think some places have said, ah, it's just illegal for you to be homeless. And so, you you know, you get arrested if you're sleeping on the sidewalk. And it's like, well, that isn't. Which isn't helpful because you do have people who legitimately have just lost their housing. And th- and that's what the, the, the rescue mission people were, were pointing out is like, we want to find out, did this person just like lose a job, have a medical emergency, get mm. kicked out of their housing? And, and can we provide them with employment can we provide them with medical care can we get them into a temporary housing situation so that they can just get back on their feet yeah or are these people who have just given up on the 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 way that we've agreed as a society to live yeah yeah. (laughs) like i I mean i don't know how else you say it given up on living like humans hmm yeah I, i don't know and, and have gone the route of Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. That feels far. I'm not sure that I disagree, but I'm not sure that I agree. But I mean, it, it's an uncomfortable thing to say, but when you interact with a few people, that is that does seem to be the direction that they have put themselves on, um, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it takes having a conversation with someone, multiple conversations with someone to to understand that, to understand where, where they're, where they're at and, and what they need. Um, Cause there are yeah. definitely people who will be just, I, I need a roof over my head and a little bit of structure in my life. And if I can just get that and, and I can move forward. And, and those are the people that you go, great. Like we have these resources. This is the, this is a place. Let me drive you there. <laughs> yeah. um, get, get you a meal get you started in a program and but i haven't had the opportunity to work or talk to that many people in that situation sadly it's really exciting when you do sure yeah yeah and and yeah i don't don't know if the i mean yeah i hope that there'll be some kind of some kind of solution for for the homelessness problem that's that's really the west coast I don't, maybe it's in maybe it's in the East Coast as well, but I just know of it particularly problematic in 
in Seattle, in Portland, and um, and then a couple different cities in uh, California. This may be begging the question a little bit, but how much of this do you think is um, how much of all these things? I mean, homelessness, the the need for something like the Equality Project is a loss of an understanding that humans are humans because we're made in the image of God, not a product of evolution from apes. Mm, can you rephrase your question, please? Do, do we see people denigrating other people and people denigrating themselves because we do not have an understanding of who we are as humans? I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's a big part of it. Um, you know, and another, I think another part is that we have, um, like we don't, um, it's like we want the benefits of Christianity and not the, not the rest of it, you know, as, as far as equality goes, right. You were talking about how we want the see, privileges and not the responsibilities. Sure. Yeah. Um, and that just falls apart. Um, like, I don't, you know, when you say that everybody is descended, I mean, when you, you know, one encouragement that I have with, um, you know, related to justice, right. Related mm -hmm. to the innocence project, related to mass incarceration, related to how poorly, um, groups of people are treated is I know that if people are not served justice now mm -hmm. in this life, that they will be, um, and that no wrong goes unpunished, right? That God is a just right. God. Um, and, and at the same time, that's scary, right? Because it reminds us of our need for grace. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when I get really upset at a particular individual because of something particularly heinous and I remind myself, but for the grace of God, there go I, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Oh yeah. All right. I'm not, I need to get off this horse a little bit. Yeah. Anyway. Do you, do you, th I mean, I guess one of, one of my questions from earlier was, are, are we, are we picking things that are easy to repent of, to avoid thinking about things that are bigger and what have I picked? That's been easy. Oh, I'm I'm not talking about like the two of us. Oh, I mean, okay. Maybe right. it is the two of us. I, I'm talking about culturally. Uh, I don't uh, think anything that we've been talking about that's cultural is easy to deal with. I mean, at least the conversations that I've been having have not been easy, have not been comfortable. Racism, at least the way that I'm talking about it, is uh, is essentially a prejudice that is difficult to see in yourself. Mm -hmm. And I guess... As a Christian, I get to trust that, like God will point out the things to me, that you know that the Holy Spirit in me will continually point out things that are not honoring to God, and that I can like that I can continually improve. Right? Do you think it's a bad way to go to say that, or unhelpful to say that culturally we're repenting of? not allowing someone to wear an Afro uh, swimming cap instead of pointing out how we've sent 
millions of black women to Planned Parenthood. So that's one of the, it's easier to talk about one than the other. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Right. And I mean, both, you could say both are, both are uncomfortable, but one is easier to wrap our mind around, I guess. Mm -hmm. And the other is just so heinous and horrendous that we, we couldn't, I, I can't possibly, uh, justify myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't want to think about things that I can't justify myself. When you say yeah, I can't justify myself. I I can't like do something that makes me feel like I made it right. Mm. Yeah, you can't uh there's nothing Kyle that you can do to make it better that a million babies were killed. Right. Yeah. I I can post on social media that oh, they should let this person uh mm. like I vote that this person should be allowed to swim. I, I'm on the side that says that the swimming cap should not be an issue. Yeah. And then yeah. I get a point for me. <laughs> no, but I, I'm serious. Like, no, I know you're serious. It's still funny. That's what probably makes it funny. Um, how you, you make my life, you make my, I, now I have to slow down and I have to think and at least I can edit out all the silence. But I mean, that's, that's where I was bringing up bathing caps or, Swimming caps versus the innocence project is is we have all these people who are incarcerated mm-hmm. wrongly or incarcerated maybe they're incarcerated correctly but they've been disproportionately incarcerated like white people have gotten off for things that black people have not gotten off for mm-hmm. and and so that's led to this disproportionate um, representation in our prison population and we we should be as Christians. Um, advocating against that, praying for restoration for people who have been wronged in this way. And and I think as you've done a good job of getting agitated about that more so than uh, swimming caps. But <laughs> well, I just found out about the swimming caps. You wait, I'm going to, I'm going to get agitated. But this, this seems to be a common theme among us in our current cultural setting, which, which it's, it's fascinating because these whole, this, these whole, the, the whole idea of, of being, of, of wanting equality comes from Christian perspective. Um, I mean, would you say Judeo Christian specifically or Judeo Christian? Judeo Christian. I mean, okay. Just clarifying. Oh, this, this is a funny anecdote. Uh, my father-in-law is reading this book called Dominion, which I really want to read. But in that book, they talk about how Hinduism was actually the creation of the British East India Company. Sorry, have you what? heard that? No, I have not. Did you? Sorry, say it again. I, I think Hinduism I was a PR product of the British East India Company. Mm, okay. Because India was essentially like Africa with all these kind of spirit ancestor worship uh-huh. religions. And then the East India Company wanted investment in colonizing India. Uh-huh. And if it was just like this crazy, random witch doctor religion, or all these crazy, random witch doctor religions, people with with slaves and people, uh, wives being burned with their husbands when they died, people would go... In, in Britain at the time of William Wilberforce, we're going to go, uh, why are we putting money into you guys like 
investing in this culture. <laughs> and so they basically went and created a palatable religion for is is that why they're like they're <laughs> huh that's fascinating i and, and so they were like do you have a book oh well not really i mean it's mostly but like someone wrote it down something over here and they went great you have a book and do you have like so sorry that were there were there hindus and it was just very small no there was there was no such thing as Hindus. it was all these like it was like Africa with all these different uh the, the book is called Dominion by Tom Holland. Huh. Um if mm. if you want to read it. But yeah, sure. Yeah, they, Maybe. they just went through and went and, and basically so they created this like uh amalgamation of all these kind of witch doctor religions and then put it in a package that sort of made it look like they had a Bible and they had like, is it, do they kind of model some of the larger philosophies of Hinduism after, um, Socrates was, I thought one of them, um, it's like a Roman, it's a Roman thing. I can't think of it right now. Stoicism. Yeah. Stoicism or yeah. Stoicism was what Epicurean I was thinking of. I don't know. No, Buddhism Just like denying is more your... stoic. What's that? Buddhism is more stoic. Oh, and Hinduism isn't. But but Buddhism, I think, legitimately did come from like there was a Buddha. There was a Buddha, and he yeah, I've seen wrote him some stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, images of him. I should be clear. Yeah, but um, huh? Yeah. Okay, just... that is uh very interesting. Then I have never heard that. I hadn't either, but now I really want to look into it more. <laughs> well, we have Google for that. Yeah. Um. The only reason I brought that up is just how influenced our thought is by Christian parameters mm. and, 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 and so a lot of these, like, should a transgender person be allowed to compete in their cat, their gender of choice at the Olympics? Um, like, is that... Are, are are we, and the question being based off of, are we loving them? If we don't allow them to do that, that yeah. question, like the question about, should we, should someone do something, should, should someone be allowed to do something due to our love for them doesn't make any sense outside of a Christian framework or a Christian. You're saying that people who aren't Christian can't no, love no, no, somebody no. and say, and say no. What, what I'm what I'm saying is that we in our current American context are so heavily influenced by what the Bible has how the Bible has shaped society and culture that non-Christian ideas at their core are the result of hundreds of years of Christian influence hmm. being kind of spun out one degree yeah. off every year <laughs> sure well and i think an encouragement to you know so we celebrated the fourth yesterday mm -hmm. and an encouragement i have from basically finding problems with the way that the u.s is related to justice specifically and then mm -hmm. all these tangents that come from it is that 
I have high expectations for the things that I care about. And I'm very thankful to live in America. And because I want it to be the best that it can and to be a good thing for the most people, like that is why I criticize, right? Yep. And, you know. But we shouldn't just criticize. We should point out what the solution is. Yeah, it's, yeah. So in the same way that when you criticize your friends, when you say, hey, you can be better and I want to support you in however I can in order to help you be better. Scripture says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Christ. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a criticism. It's not a, it's not a cold criticism. It's a, I'm here with you. Yeah. It's not an, I'm judging this person. It's a here's here's the boat we're both in and this is the path out yeah absolutely well are we going to start our uh, podcast yet that <laughs> what, what what else are we going to discuss i don't know <laughs> we didn't talk about what we we're going to discuss we just started talking yeah i mean we we hit on kind of what we've been up to and what we've been thinking about i think um we've i i, I was just thinking actually on our on as i was driving on our trip that We've been doing this for over a year. We have. Uh, hey, man, thanks for thanks for chatting. I'm glad we can make this work. We should probably do this a little more often. Yeah. Hey, guys, it's Daniel again. Just wanted to say thanks for listening. Feel free to reach out to us at SocraticHobbits at gmail.com if you have any feedback. Alternatively, you could send Kyle a singing telegram. Thanks again. No cats were harmed in the making of Socratic Hobbits.